I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Payhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to a new edition of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. It is our first show of 2023. My name, of course, is Alex Reamer, and we have, oh, do we have a lot to delve into today. Two big guests, Michael McCarthy, covers sports media for Front Office Sports. Ryan Glass-Spiegel covers sports media for the New York Post, and they are on to discuss all things DeMar Hamlin and all the coverage surrounding that. On Monday Night Football, Bills-Bengals, one of the biggest games of the year. ESPN had it live. And early in the first quarter, Bills safety DeMar Hamlin went down on the field, collapsed, suffered from cardiac arrest, CPR, stretcher, taken in an ambulance to the hospital. And, you know, it sounds grotesque to say this, but we see this happen with some frequency in the NFL. Players collapsing on the field. Players getting taken off in stretchers. But... What made Hamlin different from the get-go was, number one, he was standing and then he fell, so he didn't fall immediately after contact. And number two, I saw the look on his teammates' faces, Steph Diggs, Josh Allen in particular. Uh, These guys looked really, really concerned about this situation and whether Jamar Hamlin was going to make it. As of Wednesday, he's still in critical condition, but making positive progress, according to one of his representatives. So on Monday night when this happened, from a media standpoint— All the focus was on ESPN because, of course, they were covering the game live. But then Skip Bayless, as he often does, stole the show uh, with an ill-timed, insensitive, and inappropriate tweet. Uh, He sent off a couple tweets wishing DeMar Hamlin well, sending his thoughts and prayers. But then he wrote this, his third tweet of the night. Quote, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, dot, 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 which suddenly seems so irrelevant. What's made matters worse is Bayless has addressed this tweet on FS1 on a couple of occasions. He addressed it for nearly 20 minutes Tuesday. He was alone. Shannon Sharp did not show up. More on that in a moment. And in those 20 minutes, he failed to apologize for his tweet, for the timing of his tweet, for none of it. And then on Wednesday, Shannon came back and just one minute into his monologue about DeMar Hamlin, he mentioned that he disagreed with Skip's tweet and hopes Skip takes it down, to which Skip interrupted and replied, no, I'm not taking it down. I stand by what I said. And then Shannon complained about not being able to talk at all on that show without getting interrupted. Uh, Michael McCarthy of Front Office Sports reported this week that Shannon and Skip's relationship is at, quote, an all-time low, and anybody who's seen that opening segment on Undisputed Wednesday, I think would be inclined to agree with that. But real quick, Skip Bayless. Um, This is not the worst thing he's ever said. Not by a long shot. I mean, this is a guy who just a couple years ago was mocking Dak Prescott 
for publicly admitting that he suffers from depression. I wasn't even aware of this, but five days after 9-11, someone posted this on Twitter, Skip Bayless wrote a column in the San Jose Mercury News lambasting athletes for not distracting him from the worst terrorist attack on U.S. soil. If that happened today, I don't care who wrote that column. They would be out in a second. Trolls could get away with a lot more before social media. But my thing on Skip Bayless is, because of his odious, decades-long track record of saying inappropriate and offensive and outlandish and ridiculous things, nobody is willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And this is a lifetime achievement type pylon. There is a pylon here, and the pylon does not match what Skip Bayless actually tweeted, but the pylon is for, again, his odious 20-plus year track record, not apologizing, doubling down, interrupting Shannon Sharp on Wednesday. That is why Skip Bayless is facing all this blowback. And the question is, and I ask Michael and Ryan about it, two guys who are plugged in and know, could this be the end of Skip Bayless at Fox Sports? Because, as I mentioned, Though he's said a lot more controversial things in the past, at least from my vantage point, the reaction here just seems a little bit different. So is is this the end of Skip? Is this the end of Skip and Shannon? We talk about that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We also talk about ESPN's coverage and and the back and forth between the NFL and Joe Buck. Joe Buck said four times during the broadcast Monday night, the NFL had originally given the teams, Bills and Bengals, Five minutes to warm up. The NFL in a conference call at midnight, Troy Vincent, denied that and said that was, quote, ridiculous and insensitive. Uh, ESPN, though, has issued a statement backing up Joe Buck. The Westwood One call of the game. The broadcasters also mentioned on the radio the five-minute warm-up period. My take is (laughs) the NFL at first was considering a five-minute warm-up period and resuming the game. And Joe Buck was relaying what he was hearing. ESPN and the NFL are multi-billion dollar business partners. ESPN pays the NFL $2.6 billion per year to broadcast Monday Night Football. There is no way, no way that Joe Buck would risk all of that to spread some innuendo during one of the more jarring moments you will ever see on an NFL field or in a game period. There's no way that happened. So in that, Joe Buck v. NFL, I side with Joe Buck 110% of the time. But by the way, I mean, the NFL, look, it took them nearly an hour to postpone the game. I think we all agree that was too long. But this was an unprecedented situation. I mean, players, as I mentioned, get carried off the field in stretchers. It happens, and it's gross, and it's grotesque. But it's one of the things we've accepted when it comes to watching football and watching the NFL. And every other time, the game has continued. This was an unprecedented situation. I think people going after the NFL are just looking to go after the NFL. I think the NFL did what they could. They made the right decision. 
And we'll see what happens from here. But again, in regards to NFL v. Joe Buck, yeah, I'm siding with Joe Buck. I think the NFL did originally plan to continue the game. There's no way that Joe Buck would have spread unfounded conjecture during that time. Just no way at all. All right. Those are my two opening takes. You'll hear more of that throughout this episode with Michael McCarthy and Ryan Glass-Spiegel. They're coming up next on the other side of this short break. It's a Sports Media Mayhem podcast. Thank you for listening. And once again, Happy New Year.